0: Yes now. Yes, we are back in the comic book store. This is Comic Stripped, your podcast that looks at the original source material, no not not Jesse's podcast, the actual source material, the comic books themselves, and compares and contrasts them to their adapted medium, television show or movie. In this particular case, we are looking at Term Life, which was adapted into a major motion picture with Vince Vaughn and Haley Steinfeld. So we will compare and contrast those. And I am not alone. I am joined by the ever-saintly. He doesn't use some language. He uses no language, except for the written word, which comes to him from God. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Evan, good to his mother, Bevins. How do you do, sir?
1: Well, after after an intro like that, I I feel a lot of pressure now. (laughs) No, there's no pressure here.
0: Anyway, would um, be a darn shame if I let something slip now. <laughs> it's a Superblog team-up, Evan Bevins. That's what's happening right now. The Superblog team-up. And we're celebrating... what the, What's the anniversary here? I know we're, we're <laughs> celebrating the anniversary of Image Comics. That's why we're doing it's, this.
1: It's the 30th anniversary of Image Comics. When, they, uh, when uh, Rob Liefeld, Jim Lee, Todd McFarlane, Will Sportasio, Jim Valentino...
0: Somebody this else, I'm they, sure,
1: oh, Eric Larson, this is they left they Marvel in the dust. I
0: was going to say, they infamously dropped their pants and waddled out the door, middle fingers high in the air? Yeah, I, I don't think that's quite how it happened, but yeah, more or less. That's the story
2: I
1: heard, at least. Yeah, they said, see you later, Marvel, and they started putting out uh, some uh, strange and offbeat superheroes, but uh, that was only to, uh, to get the ball rolling, and since then, Image has... Uh, Put out a whole lot of comics uh, about superheroes, zombies, crime, aliens,
0: all sorts of good stuff. So, the most successful, in terms of licensing, uh, adaptation, the most successful Image character, Spawn, you think? Well, at least until The Walking Dead came along. Oh, The Walking Dead was Image? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that tracks then. <laughs> um <laughs> Gotcha. So first it was Spawn, and then it was The Walking Dead. Now The Walking Dead is the most successful Image thing ever. Um, I I don't have it up here. I can pull it up maybe while you chime in on this. But I feel like Image has been a major contributor to the adapted uh, to television and film uh, medium, like in terms of comic books. I know know, everyone looks at Marvel. It's like, oh, my... Especially if you're one of these fancy pants directors out there, you know, Roland Emmerichs and Martin Scorsese's of the world. There's like, oh my God, these Marvel movies. I, I feel like Image has them beat. Just no one has ever heard about or read any of these comic books, so they don't know that they're, they're adapted into television and movies. Yeah, yeah,
1: I, I didn't know Term Life was a comic until you said, hey, how about this for the Superblog team up? I'm like, wait, really? Um, yeah and I mean Image got stuff adapted pretty quick I mean you think about how long it took certain Marvel things to get to the the screen um, mm-hmm. I mean I, I don't have the timeline right in front of me but I mean Image had co- had cartoons within a couple of years I mean Spawn got a movie a heck of a lot faster you know I, I think Spawn beat Spider-Man to the theater by a couple of years and X-Men and so uh, they,
0: have... go ahead sorry They
1: had, they had a little bit longer publishing history
0: So I have in front of me right now a list of television series and films based on image comic publications, just in television. From 98 to 99, there was The Crow Stairway to Heaven for one season. Then there were Powers, which was two seasons. Wyona Earp, which is four seasons and almost 50 episodes. Outcast, two seasons. Happy. (laughs) So you and I, on a podcast we did uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I talked about how I've had to because I'm cutting back on my podcasting. I've had to cut. A, I've had to cut shows. There's shows I still wanted to do that never even made the schedule. Happy is one of them. I desperately wanted to review the Happy book and then talk about. I think. I think the show has run for two seasons now. I, I read know. the book. I yeah. could not bring
1: myself to watch the show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Deadly Class at one point was on the list. I was going to do that with Alexis. Uh, the Walking Dead, World Beyond, Jupiter's Legacy, which has been reviewed on this show and subsequently canceled, The Walking Dead, Fear of the Walking Dead, and then upcoming actually, depending on when you're listening to this, is Paper Girls. And then they've got some stuff Ooh. in development, Sam and Twitch, American Jesus, we've got the American Jesus Whoa, bad did, religion. Did you just skip over Witchblade? I haven't gotten to it yet. Oh, my bad. I, I, was I thought still we were going up. chronologically. Okay, I'm going in the order that it says here on the Wikipedia page. Ah, uh, okay. Well, my okay. mistake. So I'm still in the in development. Don't rush me, man. And 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 first of all, when I sing and dance, I don't expect to be interrupted, sir. It's going to ask you. You ever listen to Bad Religion? Maybe. <laughs> okay. I don't know how much into like punk rock you are, but um, anyway, I'm sure I've heard something. Sure uh fear agent astro city those are all in development yes witchblade which ran for two seasons uh a whole bunch of walking dead again there's a bunch of animated stuff uh not the least of which was the max savage dragon spawn battle pope <laughs> uh super dinosaur and then you know uh, invincible which is currently on amazon and then live action films all right get ready for this so, so this is this is for all the money it's for all the money see ya i'm buckling up in my seatbelt The Crow, Tank Girl, Spawn, Mystery Men, Bulletproof Monk, Wanted, which was on my list, by the way, Kick-Ass, Captain Battle, The Scribbler, which, good luck finding the movie, (laughs) Term Life, Officer Down, I Kill Giants, (laughs) Random Acts of Violence, which is actually currently sitting on my shelf, The Last Days of American Crime, which sucked, and The Old Guard, which also sucked. So... Maybe now Marvel probably has more stuff out there um, than not. But I, I, I think it's, I think I've just proven beyond a shadow of a doubt how much image has contributed to uh, the world of film and television adaptation.
1: Yeah, Well, and, and a lot of the image, even though there is sort of a shared image, you know, loosely shared superhero universe, the image stuff is, isn't as interrelated. Mm-hmm. So um, you know you don't have a, as much uh, backstory to to build. You can you know kind of hone in on on one particular story, and you know a lot of times with a pretty stable creative team and go from there.
0: So how big an image were you back in the day? I mean like you're you're a big comic book guy. I uh, obviously read a lot of Marvel, a lot of Howard the Duck, uh, <laughs> a lot of Squirrel Girl. So where did Image rank for you? How much of the Image stuff were you reading at, at, at your height of it? not a lot. Um <laughs> I,
1: I I I was excited, you know, to have like a, a a new comic book company universe that was, you know, coming into being when I when I was reading it, but um I never I love Todd McFarlane's Marvel stuff. I never quite made the jump to Spawn except for a couple of the crossovers. Um now I did read uh I did collect for a while the Max by your personal favorite artist Sam Keith. Um And uh, I, for some reason, developed an affinity for Bad Rock, got the occasional Bad Rock uh, from Youngblood comic, bought a lot of the crossovers, but just here here and there, I didn't really get into it. Um, The one I missed the boat on until much later was Astro City, which is just beyond phenomenal. Okay. I I got tired of hearing about how great Astro City was. I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, it's just another comic book. And then I finally read it, and I'm like, oh, you guys didn't talk it up enough. <laughs> okay. Um, so, but I mean, you know, and then I I did eventually, uh, you know, read the the Walking Dead. Um, you know, I've I've read read that. So, but but that's the thing, you know. I mean, you shouldn't have to read everything in Marvel and DC, but the interconnectedness of it, uh, somebody like me, I I like to follow as much as I can image. You could just, if something, you know, gets your attention, you can just jump in and read that one. Some of the superhero stuff crosses over, but you know, it, it, it all pretty much stands on its own. So you can kind of take it or leave it and they can do these, you know, standalone stories that, I mean, Marvel and DC could do, but Marvel and DC tend to fold everything into their universe. I mean, you know, even Watchmen is now part of the DC universe proper somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but so, you know, image, I mean, the the emphasis has always been on the, the creators having control of, of what they do. And they just kind of do what they want, but do it with a, a certain level of quality. I mean... You know, I I don't know the sales figures or anything, but in my mind, Image was always you know the next one. Like, I mean, Marvel and DC are still the big two, but then Image is right there, and you know, Image does just e- e- any kind of genre that uh, you know the, that their creators are interested in and that they can find an audience for. They just they tell the stories they they want to tell.
0: When I was reading comics in the mid to late nineties, um, maybe. It- more probably the early ninety, early to mid 90s, I should say, probably like 89, 90 to 94, 95. I remember all of my nerdy comic book friends, they talked about Image like it was the hotness. Image Comics was sort of the independent, like the indie, cool indie band of comics. You know, if you were a true cool comic collector, which sounds like an oxymoron, but stay with <laughs> me. Um... If you were, you know, if you wanted to be a hep cat, you you read Image Comics, you know, and then you were cooler than Jesus. I'm going to tell you that I was always cooler than cooler than Jesus. I didn't even read Image Comics because it was too lame for me. (laughs) Um, But uh, honestly, I think by the time Image Comics really caught on, I just wasn't really interested in reading comics anymore. But I remember, like, people were big into Savage Dragon I watched the Spawn series, the, the HBO co- uh, animated Spawn series on um on HBO, but I never read the comic. I remember a lot of my comic book artist friends in high school and a little bit of college. They I think like Todd McFarlane just had this really weird influence on people because everyone was like copying his style. Um everyone wanted to draw like Todd McFarlane and I don't know why because I didn't think he was that good. But <laughs> What would you say was the big attraction to Image Comics back in the day? Why were they cooler than Jesus?
1: I, I think a lot of it was, you know, the artists. the The artists really dominated mm-hmm. back then. Um, I, I, I've always been more of a more of somebody who, who, who follows the writers, but I mean, yeah, Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld. It, it, it was very distinctive, mm-hmm. um, and and you know, it, a, a lot different from some of the the classic um, co- comic artists and th- they were the guys who who drove all the, all the traffic. And then, you know, y- you could tell, even though they, you know, kind of rebelled against the Marvel business model. I mean, th- these were guys who had been Marvel fans who, who, who had worked for, for Marvel. So it was kind of like, you know, a, a, a new, new look at your, your favorite types of uh, heroes or whatever. And l- like I said, the, I remember I was reading the, uh, Jim Valentino, one of the founders put out an, an image timeline and he talked about, you know, that, that they didn't just want to do superheroes, but that's kind of how they, they got a, got a foothold. But that, that was to me was part of the attraction was, Hey, here's all these, these awesome artists and they're, they're making new superheroes and we can get in on the, on the ground floor of this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then image just, you know, kind of became about, you know, t- telling the stories they, they wanted to tell or whatever. I mean, it's all, all over the, the place, what, what the, the genre is, but the artists were the big draw at at that point and you had you know the hottest artists the the best of the best um you know turning loose their the, their creativity and making these characters that looked like the stuff you like but but were a little bit different
0: all right so let's get into term life here um term life was written by aj lieberman uh it was colored inked and penciled by Nick Thornbarrow, lettered by Brandon DeStefano, and the editor on this is listed as Jade Dodge. Uh, who are these people and what do they do? Well, the writer writes the story. Nope. Try again. <laughs>
1: oh, no, I, I'm actually not not familiar with, with a lot of these, these folks' work. I mean, th- this, is the, this is the first thing that, that I really uh, noticed with them. Okay, so I, A- I, I'm, I may have seen stuff I, I'm finding all the time when I go back and look at, at comics I read in the past that mm-hmm. oh that guy, like I mentioned uh, Bad Rock. Bad Rock and Company was drawn by Todd Knock, one of my favorite artists I, I don't know, five, six years before I realized who Todd Knock was and really started following him.
0: So AJ Lieberman, uh, credited as the writer on this, uh, some claims to fame. He wrote Batman Gothic uh, he wrote 24 issues of Batman Gotham Nights uh, thirteen issues of Harley Quinn from looks like the New Fifty Two, I think. Okay. Um, Cowboy Ninja Viking, Martian Manhunter, uh, eight issues of that. Um, Harvest. He couple appearances in Batman Legends of the Dark Knight, Batman War Games. Um, Red See, I, I've Red read, Red read of- Batman War Games, so I'm mm-hmm. I, I'm sure I have read uh some of his stuff, and just he's actually written a, a lot of different Batman. Um, the Silver Six, Harley Quinn, Vengeance Unlimited, Deep Soul, uh, he wrote the Clayface, Backham, Batman Batman Arkham, Batman Arkham, sit take three. Batman Arkham, Clayface, he wrote that, and then Graveyard Wars. Uh so that's AJ Lieberman. Okay, now
1: now hey, I'm I'm contributing. I'm looking up Nick Thornborough Borough. He he's actually done a lot of work in video games. Okay. Uh, he he has done some comics, but a, a lot of his stuff. Uh, he's been a concept artist for Dragon Age Inquisition, Dragon Age Two, Sonic Chronicles, The Dark Brotherhood. Hmm. So yeah that, that that's a that's a lot of his uh his work that I just found on his uh his resume so to so to speak there. And then of course obviously he did uh, Term Life. Mm-hmm. And what 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 else? I'm I'm I'm. Trying to check this out, but yeah, I, I guess he's as much known for his, uh, his comics. I mean, for his video games as
0: comics. All right. So the plot to the graphic, we're going to start with the graphic novel here and then we'll slide into the movie. Um, if Nick Barrow can stay alive for 21 days, he'll die happy. Everyone Nick knows wants him dead. Like you do mob bosses, contract killers, and dirty cops performing the last act of a desperate man. Nick takes out a million dollar insurance policy on himself payable to his estranged daughter. The problem, the policy doesn't take effect for 21 days. Nick knows they'll be lucky to be alive for 21 hours. You give a tip for a lucrative heist to the Russian mob, but then four of them die, uh, including the son of the boss. If he could just stay alive for 21 days and protect his estranged daughter, he would accept his fate, which is death. Um, Okay, so let's get into talking about this comic here. So as you saw from the plot synopsis, the whole deal is that he devises uh, heists. And then he sells those heists to the highest bidder or whoever contracts him to do so. And if everything goes according to plan, he gets paid. Th- he gets paid regardless. And he says at the beginning of the book, like, it's not up to me to execute the plan. It's up to me to devise the plan. That's what you're buying. And I will tell you what you'll need and how many people, yada, yada, yada. Which,
1: which um, is kind of cool. Sorry to
0: interrupt you. Yeah, no, no, you're
1: that, fine. That's like a... Uh that's the side of the the heist movies and the crime mm-hmm. stories that, that we don't usually see. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of like oceans 11 and, and, and things like that, where they're yeah. like, Hey, we know there's four guards that do this, this and this. And you know, they, they always have somebody feeding them the information, mm-hmm. but you never see that guy. So I, I thought that was like a, a, a neat twist right off the bat. Uh, you know, a different angle on yeah, what
0: you're used to seeing. I did too. I thought that was a really cool concept. Like somebody has to figure out, Like there's got, like, there's gotta be smart people out there that think about, give me an example. My friends and I decided we were going to rob a White Castle and we determined early on that it was impossible that besides, um, bank vaults and, you know, places where they store precious heirlooms, uh, White Castle is the most heavily fortified, heavily guarded fast food joint. Like... (laughs) It, that, it, we decided the only way to rob a White castle effectively was with 12 men in a helicopter. Mm. Uh, so but, but we did. We, we spent one night we were just eating there, we were sitting there eating belly bombers, and uh, we were trying to figure out how to rob the place. We had no guns or experience, and we're a bunch of idiots, but just bear in mind, we also thought we could rob banks or we could rob fast food joints. <laughs> the folly of youth. Anyway, so <laughs> this was last week, wasn't it? This was when I was either in high school or college. Um, so I remember my friends and I just kind of all sitting there. And w- the first thing we notice is that there's it's it's glass like a bank, like like a bank teller station. It's just glass. You know, it's life after covid. It's just glass everywhere with little slots that you can like talk through. And, you know, and then a bolted door. And we're like, OK. In order to rob this place, you would, you would need to get through that door, which is bolted, so you'd need some heavy equipment. This went on and on and on. We actually, somebody somebody at some point, this is the point of the story, somebody at some, at some point got out a pen and paper, and we started writing everything that we were going to need to rob this White Castle in Massapequa, Long Island, outside of the Sunrise Mall. Now, imagine you did that for a living, but with a, a higher class of robbable places than fucking White Castle. Sorry, some language. Uh, um so anyway my point is what a cool idea right you know because because what if we couldn't figure it out we could pay a guy like tell us how to rob this white castle um and there'd be a guy that does that for us but the whole premise of the story is that somebody dies during one of the heists that he sold and he's like no money you know i i don't care if it doesn't go the way you want it to that's not my problem and the russians like yeah we feel differently and so He's like, well, I've been keeping tabs on my daughter, who's a teenager now, and I'm going to die more than likely, so I'll take out this insurance policy. They'll kill me, and she'll be set for life. But as the plot synopsis said, it's, he needs to last three weeks in order to do it, and the the Russian mob is in hot pursuit. And oh, by the way, they're also now targeting his daughter because that's how mobs do. And when you put it out there like that, that's not a bad premise for a story. Oh, it's, it, it's a great premise. You know, it's a road picture. It's a father-daughter story. Like a lot of the father-daughter stuff in, in the book really resonated with me. Um, you know, this father feeling like I'm in a shitty business and I'm around shitty people. And that's not something I think a daughter should be ra- you know, should be raised in. I feel like she'd be better off without me, but I don't want to be completely without her. So I watch from afar. And the daughter's perspective is none of that is as bad as not having a dad.
1: Okay. And Great I point. thought it, it it was interesting. She uh, another reason she resents him is that you know her, her mom is is a drug addict. Yeah. And she, she's going through all that. So it, it it's not just, hey, I don't have a dad. At one point she confronts him and says, Hey, you left me with her. Yeah. You know, which 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 I I, I thought, you know, real I mean I've seen a lot of movies and stories where it's like, you know, the parent is estranged and they're like, oh, you know, that, that that's kind of, you know, pretty well, well-trod ground. So it, 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 it was neat to, to add that aspect of it into mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I actually, the book I feel like at times is a little convoluted. I had a similar Very. situation with like some of the Ed Brubaker and Stumptown and uh, some of these other like crime noirs where I feel mm-hmm. like the writers are just sort of compelled to present the material in a way that's offbeat from something that's done before, but in doing so they kind of cock up the story. Mm -hmm. There's a pattern in a lot of comic books to try to overcomplicate things. And so term life is not a bad book, in my opinion. Like I said, there's some real meat on the bone in terms of the father daughter dynamic. And there's a lot of the book is spent on them hashing out their differences, but in addition to that, there's also a lot of stuff with, like, the goons chasing him. And the goons are not that interesting. And we spend a lot of time with them for no good reason.
1: And, and the 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 underlying
0: scheme, not,
1: not the heist that, that Nick planned, but what really happened, what went wrong, I found very confusing in, in the mm-hmm. comic. And not to jump ahead, but the, the movie helped me understand the heist mm-hmm. or the, the subplot in in the comic a, a little better because I didn't I didn't understand why these cops uh, the choir boys mm-hmm. I didn't understand why they were setting money on fire
0: right. at the beginning yeah i there was definitely parts of term life that I was kind of like mm, skip 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 you know, like I, it was just like the the book is okay um especially if you're into crime stories it's got a fun premise to it at least but yeah I don't think the execution sticks the landing. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean it, it. It does a lot of the uh, disjointed
1: storytelling. I mean, I mm-hmm. I know it's been, gosh, what close to thirty years now. So I, I guess we don't have to call it pulp fiction style anymore. But that's you know what 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 immediately came mm-hmm. came to mind was was it being out of order. I, I did think it, it it pulled it together a little better in in the fourth issue. Mm-hmm. Like some of the stuff I didn't understand came together, and you realize that. There's there's maybe a wider stretch of, of mm-hmm. time that then, then you like some things are happening mm-hmm. way after uh, what what we're watching that, that you thought were simultaneous. Like, um, you know, the 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 prosecutors that are trying to figure out how to how to bring these these cops down, mm-hmm. you know, there's a the thing where they keep having a ridiculous amount of Chinese food ordered. Right. That I thought was, I don't, you know, I'm like, what? Did they just need to pad out some panels? Why are we focusing on the Chinese food? And that actually becomes part of the big reveal. Yeah. Um, that that it happened. So some of that stuff you were watching early that you thought was just kind of for exposition on the mm-hmm. the cops is actually part of the the big reveal and, and twist.
0: So, so, but yeah, it, it was kind of hard to follow. I, I I thought it it came together a little better toward the yeah. end. Uh, we should probably before we move on to the movie, I definitely want to talk about the father daughter dynamic. You know, the father is driven by he knows the mob is after him, he knows the mob will go after her, he has to protect her. And he uh, and it's it's so tropey now because everyone does this, everyone says the same thing. Movies and television, it's like I was doing it to protect you, I had to keep you safe. Like, you have any control over you know, you have any control over the vast almost infinite amount of variables there are in life. Um, the hubris on the way that Hollywood writers write lead characters. Now it drives me a little insane because I don't know how many real people would actually say something like that and believe it, but it, it's the major source of their conflict because he's like, essentially reduces her to, you know, like a handbag. Like he's just, <laughs> that's just like, he's just carrying around and trying to keep safe you know, it's the ring of doom. Like, is it secret? Is it safe? And she's like, no, I am a whole person. And where have you been? And you can't talk to me that way. And, and he's just like, oh my God, there's bigger things afoot here. Like the mob is trying to kill us. And she's like, the mob, schmob, kill shmill. You, you know, <laughs> you, need, you need to talk nice to me. And it's like, I, I don't want to sound like I'm calling her twatty, but it's, <laughs> There's some interesting stuff with the daughter vis-à-vis the treatment of her by our lead character here.
1: Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, you, you're you're right. the uh, The idea of the you know estranged parent coming back in to to save the day is is very tropey. And like we were talking about, the the disjointed you know crime story is mm-hmm. is pretty tropey. But where I think the, this work was it, it kind of c- combined the two into something that maybe, maybe wasn't totally new, but it had had, had some kind of fresh and, and interesting moments. Um, I, I I really liked a lot of the, the father daughter stuff. Although I, the one that almost took me out of it is where I think it's established that she's 13 and he's like, he's like, well, that guy you slept with, he he wasn't good enough for you. And I'm like, Really, you're, you're worried that the guy she slept with when she was 13 is kind of a jerk. I,
0: I, I, don't know. I do I do <laughs> wonder just because I deal with a lot of like parents in certain situations, being having been a social worker for nigh on 20 some odd years, and I do wonder like how much people think they can actually control about other people. They there's certainly that belief out there. Husbands oh, yeah. think they can control wives. Wives think they can control humans. Uh, uh, fathers or husbands um parents think they can control their children and it's like to an extent maybe but you know ultimately if somebody wants to go and do something and they're not going to you know and either it's a lack of consequential thinking or it's something else it you really have so very little control over what people do but But people in the in Hollywood and people who write comic books would have you believe that someone just like I'm trying to protect you like somehow that works and like that's effective and anyone would care, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and and that's why like it's not that I didn't like term life. I liked it just fine. Always people are very concerned about what it is I like or don't like, you know, despite my criticisms, I was entertained by the book. It's not the world's greatest comic I've ever seen, but not every, you know, as Chris Sheehan says, not everything has to be either a one or a ten. There could be some fives in there. This is a solid five. It's okay. Um, I just, my last thing, and then I'll, I'll concede the floor to you and we can wrap this up and move on to the, to the book, going mean, to the movie. Later on in the, like, initially they have the father and the daughter of such a contentious relationship. And it was a little hard to read at times because, it, again, she comes across a bit 20, but he's not much better. He, you know, he's given lines and behaviors that seem so uh, forced and so like cookie cutter, like, um, you know, I, I, I think the thing that going back to what made image special was it was creator driven as opposed to Marvel and DC, which was editorial driven. If I remember correctly. correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, it's like, I'm going to do this comic. I'm going to do it my way. And I'm not going to have notes from the editor. And so clearly term life was somebody's passion project. Somebody thought this was a good idea. So I, I don't want to be like it was note laden. And, you know, it comes, you know, and say that it comes across as inauthentic. I think it was very authentic. I'm just kind of questioning the level of. Not competency, but the the level of talent involved in this book. It's there was a conversation that took place in our group chat for all of us American whammy people. And because um, we're no longer the Radology Broadcasting Network, be clear about that. Um Hey, don't press your luck, man.
1: Whammy. Okay, never mind. Go ahead. No,
2: nope. <laughs> That's a bingo.
0: So, Loki.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I went to the full gamut there. Um, hang, hang on. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, there, was a, there was a conversation that took place in our group chat the other day about uh, there's a lot of professional writers in in the arcs right now whether it be Hollywood or in comic books and I don't know how many of them are super talented or invested in what they're doing I think it's a lot of gig for hire writers and they're doing the best job they can but they don't have a level of insight as maybe a fan does and so things come across as an authentic or flat or empty and Term Life is one of those books where it's fine I'm probably being a little overcritical, but on the other hand, I don't feel like the people involved in this were particularly, you know, golden age of comics or silver age of comics talented. But uh, I'll give you the last word here. Yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's a great concept and they,
1: they put together two pretty familiar stories, you know, mm-hmm. a strange parent, you know, coming of age child uh, out of order heist caper and it doesn't it doesn't feel like it 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 becomes much more than that you know yeah, it, it's like you,
0: you, it co- it might coalesce but it doesn't really like ascend in any way yeah it's, it's just like you're like okay
1: it's a coming of age a strange parent story and with a, a crime a dark crime caper and that's it. It doesn't really become more than the the, the sum of its parts, I, I yeah. guess. I mean, you know, like uh, as far as the the cliche stuff, um, like the the scene where he's telling her to clean up the bathroom. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it almost felt like that was a oh ha ha exasperated father, but you know he he hasn't earned the right to be an exasperated father. Yeah, um, okay. which I, I, I not- think was was part of the point, but.
0: In his defense, though, if you're being chased by the mob, you you do wish people would get the point faster. Sure,
1: true, yeah. true, true. Now, I, I did, but like, it, it did have some some uh, good dialogue, like uh, mm-hmm. where she's asking him all these questions about how he, uh, about about what, why he, he he's into this trouble. Like, what one thing I thought was interesting um, is maybe a little more su- subtle than some of it. Is she says, you know, she saw him kill two people when the mob comes comes together, and she goes you know, have, have you ever killed anybody else? He's like, no, those were the first two guys that I killed. Well, in the first issue, we see him kill like two or three people just getting away. So it's, you know, him kind of, sh- I, I, think, I think he did it more to shield her and protect her than he did to save face or whatever. So that, yeah. that was kind of a neat moment. And then uh, as she's quizzing him on it, she's like, well, did you steal all their coke? What happened? And he goes, yes, I picked up the wrong bag at the airport. Now they want me dead. This is actually a Jerry Bruckheimer film.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is almost, like, self-effacing or critical of the genre, which yeah. I get, like, you know, for the same reason I like the Scream movies, some of them.
1: Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, when when it comes together in, in the fourth issue, I, I, I thought it, it really did improve, you know, like where um you have the, the misdirection where the, the dead cop's wife is meeting with the guy from Internal Affairs. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out it's Nick who was there an hour beforehand. It, it, it does pull off so, some of those reveals pretty well. And it, uh, it kept the, uh, the life insurance concept uh, mm-hmm. going to the end, which was probably a good segue for, for the movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's talk about that. So the movie Term Life, 2016 American action drama film based on the graphic novel of the same name. It was directed by Peter Billingsley from a screenplay by A.J. Lieberman. So the writer of the comic wrote the screenplay for this. Which tell which we were, you know, we talked a, a week or so ago about, you know, remaking uh, or adapting from the novel Firestarter. And we had a long conversation about the art of adaptation and how it's not, you can't just storyboard every page. You have to, things, you know, have to be cut. So I do find it fascinating that AJ Lieberman wrote the screenplay because I'm wondering what babies he decided to leave on the cutting room floor, you know, what he decided to do as far as an adaptation which we will talk about momentarily but peter billingsley some of the last things he did um he was looks like he was an actor and he was ralphie in a christmas story yeah i'm trying to see um
1: and he was the guy that jeff bridges
0: yelled at in iron man (laughs) yep he was on who's the boss as an actor it looks like he's done a lot of acting so i'm curious to see like what Okay, so, yeah, he was the director on Term Life. He was the director on Couples Retreat. That's what I, that's what I was trying to figure out, like, what other stuff he directed. So, it looks yeah, like so he, he's buddies
1: with John Favreau, who's buddies with Vince Vaughn, and Favreau yeah. shows up in this.
0: So he was an actor for a good long time, and then he got into producing. He was a co-producer on Elf. He was a co-producer on Zethera, a space adventure, executive producer on The Breakup. Uh, Co-producer on Wild West Comedy Show. Executive producer on Iron Man. So, okay. So, this is a guy who hasn't directed a lot of features. Big shock. But but he knows people in Hollywood, and he knows where to get the money. And that's where he's valuable. He's valuable as a producer. He's somebody that can make the moisture happen and get projects from what? (laughs) Not a phrase with which I'm familiar. I, I steal a lot from Family Guy. Um mm, that will make the moisture. So uh yeah, he's so he's somebody who can get the money together and he can get these projects from concept to to finished product, looks like with fair, fairies, but I don't think he has a lot tremendous a ton of like creative talent. Um, this was a similar argument that got made with uh the, the broad that runs Lucas film that everyone hates. Oh gosh. Um I'll look it up in a second. But uh, Kathleen Kennedy, there, there it is, K- you know. Pete, Kathleen Kennedy was a producer who worked for a Lucas, Lucasfilm, and she was good at what she did. But the minute she had to be kind of heading up a creative role, you know, you may or may not know this enough, but Star Wars fell off a goddamn cliff, and they now can't move toys, and it's a very sad place to work. You know, um, so I liked the Last Jedi anyway. <laughs> so did I. Actually, had that conversation with somebody the other day. I'm like. You know, like, oh, tell me about your, your Star Wars. He was like, oh my god, Rise of Skywalker was great last year. I sucked. I'm like, please get away from my desk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so it's a little bit of preamble there. Um, the film stars Vince Vaughn, who also produced the film, Haley Steinfeld, Jonathan Banks, Mike Epps, Jordy Mola, Shay Wiggum, William Levy, Tajiri P. Henderson, who pff, why she got a name credit in this for the one scene she's in is beyond me. Uh, Annabeth Gish and Terrence Howard. Uh, it was released April 29th, 2016, limited release, and then it was on video demand, video on demand from Focus World. And it's, I think this currently holds a zero Rotten Tomatoes score. What do you think about that? I get it. <laughs> okay, well said. It,
1: it it does not live up to the promise of its premise.
0: Nick plans and sells heist to the highest bidder but is forced to take his daughter, Kate, who he hasn't had a relationship with her whole life on the lamb. When a job goes bad, Kate has to fend for herself because her mother, Lucy is an alcoholic. Kate gives her father a hard time because his criminal activity has now disrupted her life. Nick is trying to connect the dots and hunt down the do- and who double crossed him with the aid of an elderly man, Harper. He gets inside the, the inside scoop and comes to the conclusion that it was an undercover officer Captain Keenan, who is out to kill Nick. Yes, the cops are always corrupt, don't you understand? Evan Bevins of the Screaming Boy podcast. Um, in the- Terrence Howard wasn't. Terrence Howard was all right. Yes, he was. Hey, do you, I don't know how much MMA you follow, but did you notice Cain Velasquez was in this? I did notice Cain
1: Velasquez was in this. I do not follow MMA.
0: Okay, but you know who
1: Cain Velasquez Except for Street
0: Fighter 2. Does that count? Okay. So, you, so, you know Cain Velasquez from what his appearance in the WWE, or just because you've like heard his name before? Didn't he get arrested a while back? He just got arrested for shooting a pedophile, yeah. So, yeah, that's probably it. And uh, passing references on Sports Center, sure, that's a, that's more of what I was getting at. In the meantime, Nick and Kate bond and she has asked how he does his heist learn how to get out before you get in, evaluate the security of a location, whether you have CCTV or the owner is one that responds. And always make sure to have a workable exit plan.
1: Kate if was only initially... you had
0: seen this before that fateful night at White Castle. <laughs> exactly. Kate was initially irritated that her father known knows so much about her and has taken pictures of her throughout her life and has kept it in a box. But all there's a man in a box enjoys the birthday gifts he send he gets for her, uh, taking her to the carnival and teaching her how to shoot. Keenan now needs to clean up his corrupt team who is riding him out to the internal affairs and kills detective Maddie and a hooker. I mean, I don't know about you, Evan Bevins, but when you have an opportunity to kill a hooker, you should take it. That's my advice. What do you think?
1: Are we talking in the grand theft auto sense? So you don't have to pay for your health, uh, you know, boost or.
0: I feel like you should answer that question in the manner you see fit. <laughs> Anywho, um hunted by mob bosses, contract killers, and dirty cops, he takes out a life insurance policy on himself to leave something for her. Nick educates Kate on how to separate and survive. In the meantime, Nick gets arrested by the local sheriff, mm. responding to an APB, and the Spanish mob springs him out of jail to kill him, but Kate comes to the rescue. Kate and Nick argue, and Kate abandons Nick on the side of the road. Keenan abducts Kate and uses her as bait to try to get Nick in, in the shootout. Nick and Kate escape, even though Nick was unwilling to listen to Kate's plan. Kate executed a plan that got rid of Keenan, and evidence pointed to him for multiple murders and exonerated Nick. And Nick and Kate choose to live together and bond as father and daughter all. And all right.
1: forgot about the freaking life insurance policy.
0: Yeah. Which about, was the no. whole point of the movie. Yes, in the name of the goddamn feature. Uh, so what do you think of the movie overall?
1: Uh, not, not overly impressed. I mean, especially with the caliber of cast. I mean, I, I don't... How does Terrence Howard get, like, two scenes? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, well, first of all, let's address the elephant in the room. What is on Vince Vaughn's head? <laughs> I was distracted the entire movie. I was A like, what? Test. What sort of artistic choice did you make? And you're like, yes, we're we're committing to this. I mean, look,
0: there's nothing wrong with having tussled hair. It's I. It just I. It just looks so like I still
1: haven't noticed the digitally erased mustache in Justice League, <laughs> but I can't imagine any world where it's more distracting than. And I don't know if it's just because I've never seen Vince Vaughn. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But that was, that's just all, that's what I was watching. Um, I mean, they picked a a good cast for it. I'm glad they made Kate a little older. You know, I mean, even, I mean, you've got, I didn't even know Annabeth Gish was in it until I was looking at something on IMDb. I mean, I remember her from the X-Files. And more importantly, Steel with Shaquille O'Neal. And um, just, I, I don't know you, you I mean you've got John Favreau hanging out with, with his, his buddies you've got the dude from, from Breaking Bad and it's just like keep going I'll be right back okay I mean you basically got this this phenomenal cast and what is I mean as far as as an elevator pitch a great idea for a movie and you turn them loose and I guess they just thought well we're all here and this is a great story and that's all we got to do um I, you know, I mean, it didn't bother me. We were talking about adaptation a while back. Um, you know, it didn't bother me that the mob was Mexican instead of Russian, you know. Um, and uh, now I will say the movie explained what the cops were up to a lot better or more clearly than 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 the comics. So I was actually able to, to sort of figure out the, uh, you know, some of the impetus for what was going on in, in, in the comic from that. But they, uh, they really leaned into the father daughter odd pairing and left a lot of the crime stuff out. They, the story was very linear. Nothing. There were no flashbacks or, um, you know, misdirections as, as to what was going on, which is fine. Nothing wrong with the, with a linear story, but that's one of the things that, that made the comic interesting and sort of elevated you know what was it, at, at times kind of a mundane so-so story so you lose that but then you've got the great ticking clock concept of I've got to stay alive for 21 days so my daughter can get this life insurance policy and then they're like no you know what let's have a happy ending <laughs> and and I'm like I and I'm watching it and I'm like okay I can see somebody going hey, we got Vince Vaughn, we got this adorable up-and-coming star, Haley Steinfeld, let's have a happy ending. right? And I'm like, okay, well, so obviously whoever was writing this got some notes from the studio. I wonder who wrote it. Oh, the guy who came up with the idea in the first place?
0: Yeah, but I I I don't get it. Here's my guess, talking about adaptations again. I think he probably (laughs) wrote it word for word what was in the comic and then got studio notes back. Like we're trying to sell this to an international audience, you can't have it end with Nick dying. We we have Vince Vaughn in the lead. We're not killing Vince Vaughn. This isn't a Marvel movie. Yeah, I just,
1: I, I and, and and I could see, like I said, when I was watching, it, I'm like, okay, I guess they, I guess I can see somebody w- wanting to do that, but it, to me, it, it's not because oh, it has to be exactly like the, uh, like the the comic, but. To me, that, that just you know, kind of un, undercuts the, the whole point of the movie. And then, I mean, did they even... It's been a little while since, since I watched it. Um, did they even mention the life insurance policy again?
0: Not that I can recall. He has the one scene with Jerry oh. Henson. And then I feel like it was all about dealing with the corrupt cops.
1: Oh, no, no, there, there is. I, 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 I put the line down. I think, um, uh, what's-his-face from Breaking Bad goes... I think you got a better payout. Now that, that, that's schmaltzy even for me. (laughs) I mean, I, I, I I like happy endings. I like when people do, do the right thing, but that I'm like, Oh, come on. (laughs) I mean, I, I don't want to be like, you know, Oh, everybody involved in this did did a terrible job. It's not that, but it's just, you know, they had a good concept. And then they they undercut that and then they didn't they didn't really re- replace it with anything. They they had, you know, an interesting elevator pitch, and they took that out, and then it just became like a lot of other movies with, you know, a likable cast
0: that there's nothing really memorable about it. There's been a lot of talk recently about like Bruce Willis movies that he was doing a lot. We we actually reviewed one of them out of time. What he made, like out of dozens, death, out of death. Yeah, he he made dozens and dozens of these like low budget international features for whatever the reasons were. I think it just came out in the news like what the actual reason was. Yeah, but what got talked about was how obviously like low, uh, low budget, low, uh, like lacking, like. It, it was, like, C-level, like, not even B-level. It was, like, C-level feature. And that's how Term Life... Like, I think Term Life was meant to be bigger than it really was. But it just mm-hmm. it comes across, like, one of those, like, cheaply made Bruce Willis movies. Like, again... this is And this is somewhat reflective of, I think, the comic book, because I just said this about that, too. It seems like there's people who like, who like heist movies... And there's people who identify with father-daughter issues. Like, that should be a movie. But they are not good enough to actually write a good movie about it. They just write what they know from having watched movies themselves. So, like, term life feels almost like it's imitating one of those movies. Like, a better movie. It it feels feels a little shallow. You're, you're, you're not wrong. And, I
1: mean, I, I don't... You know, I, I, I like... I like me some simple, straight, straightforward movies. I mean, I'm not I'm not opposed to something that that challenges me, and that is creative. But you know, I mean, just like give me give me a fun, in, interesting movie. And this had you know a, a few moments, but nothing that re, that really elevated elevated it uh, beyond the initial concept. And then not sound like a broken record, but they they tossed the concept. I mean, that's the the Bruce Willis movies that that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. The thing that got me to watch a couple of them was. OK, well, it, it's got a good concept, you know, and and they I mean, e, e, even out of death wasn't great, but they, it, it had some building blocks there. And yeah. uh, this did, too. But it just they didn't really do anything with it.
0: I think. I, I we talked before about, like, the actors that are doing the best job they can. And, and I think people who don't necessarily study film, they just sort of react to film, might. Oftentimes put the problem with a movie on the actors, like the actors are just doing their job. And if there's not a director there to really pull performances up, because that is, there are people on the, the film set that are in charge of making the film look good. The director is supposed to be sort of supervising things and getting performances out of the actors to reflect what it is that they're trying to do with this film. And I don't think this director who is a producer, and Robert and I had a very similar conversation when we reviewed the 355. Because that looked like another producer-turned-director deal. Because everybody wants to be a director, Evan Bevins. Everybody. You, me, Alexis Haina, Robert Winfrey, my son, Jonas. Everybody wants to be a director. No matter what else they've done in their life, whether or not they have any talent for it. But the art of direction comes from the ability to know what it is you need from the actors and the ability to draw it out of them. And I don't think he knew how to do that. I think he just knew how to get a film made and he's been on enough film sets that he thinks he knows how to direct. But you know, but saying to your director of photography, give me this kind of a shot here, and then sort of resting on your laurels, going, Well, we have Vince Vaughn. He's a good actor. I don't need to tell him really how to do his job. And Haley Stent Seinfeld, she's you know, an up and coming actor, she's cute as a button, she'll be fine. She'll be the plucky, she'll be the plucky girl sidekick, and it'll be great. And we have all these other characters and everyone can do their job and he can just sort of figure out how to make it all look good. And that's sort of a dereliction of your duties as the director, because Vince Vaughn, yes, is a fine actor, still needs to be directed. If you just let Vince Vaughn do Vince Vaughn, it comes across like his character in this movie where he doesn't sound believable. He doesn't sound authentic. He just sounds like Vince Vaughn doing dialogue. And then he's with in- weird hair. And then he's yeah, and then he's in some like shitty gunfights and shitty fist fights throughout the movie. And poor Haley Steinfeld is really struggling with this movie. Like she's supposed to be playing this like earnest girl who's estranged from her father. And there's you know a lot of anger and frustration there. It's all the stuff that we talked about before. And I don't I don't know how much better of a performance you could have given if she had, had like a competent director. So I I feel like I watched Term Life a couple of weeks ago in preparation for this. And I remember thinking at the time how it's kind of a nothing movie. <laughs> you know it's professionally done. and it looks okay, but I don't think beyond that, there was a whole lot of the like, care and effort put into it. I think, there's almost it almost feels like this mentality if we have all of these great actors and we have stuff that people like people will just go see this without ever without giving it any kind of thought beyond that yeah it it just it, it just kind of feels like it sits there i mean
1: the the most memorable thing about it to me is oh hey so and so was in it yeah not not what they did just the fact that they were in it um yeah it it, it it's got a lot of pieces but they they didn't really come together in in anything very memorable.
0: Yeah, I I was struggling. Was like I read the book. I, actually, I watched the movie first, and then I read the book. And then and I was thinking like kind of like you like how did we get from the book to this like <laughs> it feels like a missing reel of footage, but also. I'm really surprised that the movie wasn't better than the original comic because we have problems with the comic too. So here's your opportunity to correct those things and make sure you have a fully, fully real life characters in a coherent story, which is all we want out of these movies. And I don't know why that's a hard thing to get, but that's a whole other podcast. So, I, so my, my final thing on this is I really, like I, even though I saw that Term Life didn't have a high rating, I wanted it to be better. And I just thought maybe the critics are being snooty. Like, no, the critics nailed this one this isn't that good no and either everyone feels like they're not good actors and so they think they're doing good at you know it's like like the people in the park like posing as trees and stuff like they think like <laughs> you are fooling people but you're really not you look like idiots um so i i think there's a lot of that But anyway i'll give you the final word here term life your thoughts
1: I think there's a lot of missed opportunity. I appreciated the comic a little more after, after yeah. watching the movie, um, whether it was cause some stuff was, was ex- explained better um, or just uh, that you know, I was like, Oh, okay. Well, they, they did a, they did a better job with it by comparison. Um, you know, I mean, there's not, not an actor in there that I thought was like badly cast or, you know, not, not able to to do what they had to do, but it just uh it had a lot of good ingredients and it just never really came together. I, I remember, like I said, I didn't realize this was based on a comic mm-hmm. to till, till you brought this up, but I remember hearing about this and I'm like, oh that's that's that, that's a that's a great idea for a movie. And then just you know, Vince Vaughn and Haley Steinfeld. I'm like, okay. I, I, you know, I didn't know who else was there. I'm like, oh okay, I, I I'd like to watch them. And then it was just one of those that you didn't hear much about it kind of got away from me. And when you suggested, I'm like, "Oh, cool! It's a comic. I've been wanting to see that movie anyway." Yeah, and uh, it just—I mean, I—I—I I, I went in predisposed to like it, and I yeah, just—I uh, mean, it wasn't—I—I've watched a lot worse, you <laughs> know, more painful movies, but it just—it felt like it could have been a lot better.
0: We talked at the top of the show about you know the legacy of Image Comics and how they've affected the adaptation world. I think another thing that, especially if you watch, if you look at that list of movies. That this is a company who they've obviously kept afloat in the lean years with all their licensing that they do, or they wouldn't do it. But they're, but then they're at the mercy of the studio, and so I, you know, for them, they're like, well, you know, clearly Hollywood is in 2019. There were like 20 movies that like hit a billion dollars. It was like the most. It was like the highest earning year in the history of cinema. Um, and then the next year, everything felt, you know, life ended. You know, we're so certainly digging out from that now, but I brought it up to say that I think that Image did all of this licensing because they thought, well, surely people in Hollywood know what they're doing. But if you go with that, you know, what you've got some, you've got some fairly successful films that that were Image licensees. You know, Kick Ass being a really good. One, The Walking Dead, that sort of thing, but they have more term lives than they do Walking Dead's, and that's kind of a shame because I feel like that tarnishes Image uh, Image's legacy. But I'll give you the final word here. We'll start to get out. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think term life, it, at
1: least the the comic is is a good example of the the variety that you get with Image.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I mean, it's not. I I do feel. Feel dumb not recognizing AJ Lieberman's name because I have read some of his, his DC stuff and, and things like that. But he's not he's not a superstar.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. So you know it, it it's neat that you've you've got some guys in there who had had a had a good idea for a story. You know, put put a comic out. It's you know it, it's it's a straight up crime comic. There's nothing supernatural or super heroic about it. And it's just, you know, uh, they said, hey, this is a cool story. And some folks at Image said, okay, we'll, we'll publish it. So, you know, it's, it's a neat example of the, the scope of what, uh, of what, it, what Image ha- has to offer. I, 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 think, I think it's a fun, uh, fun read. Not perfect, but definitely worthwhile reading. But you, you can probably skip the movie.
0: All right. Well, folks, that is our blog team up. Everyone's doing such fancy Image stuff. I go, what's the most obscure thing I can find with a shitty movie? <laughs> rattle sorry american whammy (laughs) um so yes that is our our comparison and review of term life the book and the movie starring vince vaughn and Haley steinfeld currently of hawkeye fame uh as far as what else is going on like i said uh check out everyone's contributions to the super blog team up today um evan what are you doing what did you do today for the super blog team up well, I uh,
1: finally, after thirty years, got around to uh, reading Spawn number one.
0: All right, how was how was it? Yes,
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> I, oh, we, we, we'll peek behind the curtain. We're recording this a little in advance, so uh, I'm still working on that. Why? Why did you? Oh, sorry, that? sorry. <laughs> Just say it was good uh, next time. I'm sorry. I don't want to spoil it. I would like to. I, w- I would like to let my writing speak for itself. There you go, buddy. That's that's what I meant. <laughs> Perfect.
0: All right. Um, Jesse dropped a source material today for Balls. Check that out in the archives tonight. Uh, Jesse and I continue our long road to, through the David Simon uh, television shows. We're on Homicide: Life on the Street, season six. This is only this. You know, check out our Homicide: Life on the Street, season five. Which is where we started this journey. Yesterday, did he do any Marvel stuff? No, nope, David Simon. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. Um, David Simon. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Yesterday, we reviewed the new Firestarter. That's day and date on Peacock. The day before that, uh, myself and David Wright did it on trial for Downton Abbey. Um, to Thursday, eh, Thursday. Uh, this was a show that we were supposed to do at the end of April. But Alexis had stuff going on, and I had stuff going on, so we delete, we we kicked it back a couple of weeks. We are now ready to review upload season two, and in the evening time, uh, myself and David Wright will be reviewing Picard season two and trying to not tear our eyeballs out. And then uh, on Saturday, I am going to some sort of burlesque show. What do you think about that, Evan Bevins? Like the old burlesque, huh? Sounds exciting. It is. It is. I I, leave, I do exciting and fun shit, Evan Bevins. You should you should hang out with me down here in Florida, and I'll take you to all the sex clubs and burlesque burlesque shows and nude beaches. Want to go to a
1: nude beach? I have to tell you about the time I uh, was assigned to write a story about a swingers club that opened
0: in town. Please, can you tell the, that story now? Do we have to? Do don't keep us in suspense, Evan Bevins.
1: No, it's actually not not nearly as interesting as as I, as I made it sound.
0: God damn it. All right. Um, and then Saturday, speaking of Evan Bevins' sex club fetish, uh, we'll be reviewing X, Red Rocket, and Boogie Nights. So uh, we got that. And that takes us into Top Gun. And by we, you mean someone other than me. Yeah, by, by the royal we. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so please be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Like and subscribe on all your favorite podcatchers, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, you, if you have an Alexa device, you can... Uh, check us out on Amazon Music. Uh, Cancel. We're all over the place. <laughs> we're, over the place. Uh, we're American Whammy, formerly the W2M Network, and hey, I used to be the Rattling Broadcasting Network. Now I'm Mark American Whammy. Whammy. Have an American Sammy with your American Whammy. All right. And speaking of American Sammy Whammies, Evan Bevins, I hear you. Uh, I hear you have a web comic of some description
1: i do it's a uh, called support group it's about a support group for people with lame superpowers in case your origin doesn't go the way they show it in the comics um i'm also uh you can find my uh super blog team up contribution at asterisk51.blogspot.com uh where i'm also uh following along with uh the x-lives and x-deaths of wolverine which everybody else already finished uh, a while ago but uh I wasn't about to let that stop me from also rereading Secret Defenders, and uh, and letting the people know that in addition to being the avatar of the Egyptian god of the moon, one-time Moon Knight got stuck in a water tower.
0: This <laughs> is the Warner Brothers water tower with Yakko, Wakko, and Dot. It it was not. it it
1: it it was not sadly uh but uh if you go to astro51.blogspot.com you can find out just what just who else was in that water tower
0: oh boy um you can also check out evan bevins on a recent edition of on trial evan defended firestarter from 1984 i believe it was with drew barrymore i prosecuted it we had a lovely conversation and hey i i don't always lose trial but i lost this one to evan bevins because he was touched by an angel and brought uh Brought godliness into the courtroom. That's what he did, and that's why. I just invoked John Grisham. <laughs> all right. Uh, anything else? Seven. If not, we're gonna get out of here. No, I'm good. All right, folks. Thank you. Check out everybody's contributions, including Evans on the Super Blog team up. They'll all be will be retweeting them on YouTube. No, not YouTube. On uh, Twitter today. So if you see hashtag SBTU or Image Comics anniversary or whatever, uh, make sure you give it a like and a and a retweet and whatnot. And make sure you read Evan Bevins' stuff because he, he is like right there with Hemingway in terms of uh, authorial authority. Authorial authority. You like that, huh? I'm an old man and I've been to the sea. Perfect. For Evan Bevins, I'm Mark Pratt- <laughs> Rattledge. Be well, be safe, and behave.